Hello and welcome to Last Guys Off the Bench. Skip the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, <Darcy. laughs> this is the podcast where you clearly get expert NBA NBA analysis from expert lifetime bench warmers. This episode we talk bubble basketball playoffs. Let's go. Let's With go. Me, I have a very special guest, Josh, the OG. Let's go. Record. Oh, he holds the record for most times calling bank and missing the layup. No rim. No rim. How you doing, Josh? Welcome back. I'm but you're great, not back. man. I'm not back. Can't call me back yet. But I'm happy to be back, even though I'm not back. <laughs> we also have Darcy, the mainstay throughout all of this, who was voted by his high school team most likely to call Aquafina, not while shooting, but on the bench, getting hydrated. How you doing, Darcy? Staying hydrated. Got my beer with me. I like Josh's uh, Wisconsin Avenue background. I mean, it's not there. Not there at all. We're imagining it. It's a, it's a virtual background. All right. We'll be uh, talking. <laughs> all right, guys, what are we going to talk about today? Josh, you put, the, you put it together, man. Uh, you know yeah, th- lead us through. There is one singular thing that we can start talking about, and that is Luka fucking Doncic. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, he's nobody. Um, forget that name. We're never going to hear it again. Just kidding. We're going to hear it for years to come because he has already quintessentially become one of the like most ideal players to have in a playoff scenario in the entire NBA. And he's 21 years old, and it's his second year in the league, and it's just phenomenal. It's just out of this world. If this was Kevin O'Connor, he'd say he's only 19. <laughs> Him, Ingram. Shout Simmons. out Ingram. Yeah. <laughs> Ingram's still better than Simmons forever. Yeah. Mobamba, still worth the top five pick. <laughs> yeah, wow. Doncic, um, he he capped off a great day of basketball yesterday, um, Sunday, with a uh, 43 point, 17 boards, 13 assists performance in a game three win versus the Clippers, um, which also Honestly, included a 20. 20- Oh, I was just going to say, one of the best performances by a European player since Milos that was on the Clippers, smoking cigarettes at halftime. So, also Milos's a former EuroLeague MVP. Milos's best performance was when he was smoking. Like, that was what he won those awards for. It wasn't for the <laughs> play on the court. It was just for taking those long-ass drags off those cigarettes. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Him and Vladi Divac, that's all they do. Yeah. And Gortat. <laughs> yeah. Just all Gortat's a tasty, like, man. Gortat's still a tasty, just like – Chain smoking. <laughs> Wait, did you guys see Doncic on Sunday night? Did you see him? That was crazy. And so, okay, what happened to Porzingis? He was like, I was watching the like pregame and he was warming up, and then I turned on, you know, I walked away for a few minutes, and he was out of the game by like, he didn't play. I guess he was out of the game by yeah. ten minutes left in the first quarter. Yeah, he had, a, he had a, did not play. Yeah, late scratch. Wasn't it like soreness or something? Something was bothering him. Hmm. Um, um, he had to get an MRI on his right knee. Um, so he's having some new issues, and he has not been ruled out for game five yet, but they're still waiting to see. He's not, like, back at it yet. Wow. Um, but yeah. what's crazy about this game on Sunday was that, like, the Clippers had a golden opportunity to take on Luka without Porzingis, without his, his second star, and then, boom, out of nowhere, Luka just, just wins the battle. He just came through. Dude, the stat line is just insane. And uh, I don't know if you guys caught the TNT afterwards with uh, Chuck and Shaq. 
where Chuck yeah. is one of three players, him, Luca, and like I think it was Oscar Robertson in the 60s to do oh, I did this see in the that. playoff game. And then Shaq was like, he wasn't impressed. He was like, I've seen it before. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, you've seen it one other time because I'm sure you didn't see Oscars. So, what? <laughs> yeah, I did see that. That was incredible. That was like such a wild game. I think what's crazy for me is that he's doing this right now and he doesn't have a full array of moves yet, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of know what his what he what he has in his bag right now. And yeah. I just can't wait to see the five years from now when he's twenty six and he just can do everything and anything. He's gonna be yeah. unstoppable. And when his ankle is at hundred percent. Like his ankle he turned that thing pretty good, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and forty eight hours even from not being able to walk or even step foot onto the court to putting up 43 points and hitting a 28 foot step back game winner. Um, and that step, step back is a, that's a really tough shot. And that wasn't a walk. No, he he had, it, wasn't, it wasn't four steps. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Crazy. I he, gonna, he had, yeah, go, go, go. Uh, I was going to mention that uh, somewhat related is if you notice European players do a two-step Euro and American players do a three-step Euro <laughs> because they actually know that their refs like in Europe call that travel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the precedent has been set. At this point, we oh have to live gosh. with it. At this point, it is not a trap. I really do hope they change, change it, it, but but it, that was that was a legal setback, though. Um, dude, he, oh my god, he was so incredible. Like, is there there aren't many people that you'd rather have right now, right? Like, leading your team. I, no, not amazing. especially not at that age. Like, franchise player for sure. You know how they always do that yearly poll of like, who would you start a franchise with? Yeah, he's got to be up there. He's got to be number one. He has to be number one. But even what about like, I think the tougher question is like right now, like right now, where does he rank? Not for future, future like accolades, but is he number one or two or three right now in the league with how he's performing? Or is he further down that list? He's up there. He's he's up there. Who do you you got one? Giannis, Kawhi. I think the way that Paul George. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh my God. JK. (laughs) Playoff B. (laughs) I just think that he needs, they won't do that. Like that type of success isn't sustainable in the playoffs, right? Uh, With the quality of team that he has, if like Porzingis doesn't play, right? So I think for him to be your best player, you have to have like a really star, like not necessarily star studded, but a really good surrounding cast. Like, you know, I don't think right now you know, he I would does like Miami of supporting cast as like an example of a supporting cast where they don't have a lot of star players, but they have a lot of really good players. Yeah, no, that's a great example. Um, and I don't think that the Mavs are part- like I I I feel like Seth Curry at some point is going to fall down a little bit, right? Like he's putting ridiculous numbers up right now. Seth Curry's at though, the point where like you you expect every shot that he takes to go in. I, I you assume what I, what I appreciate about Seth is even in his limited minutes since he's been in the league, he's always kind of performed at a good level. Yeah. He just So it's not like his all of a sudden his like out – I mean, he's getting more minutes, so he's getting more shots up. and he's. But I feel like he's making him at the same clip as he was when he was like on the Blazers. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's he's already – like for a while, he's been in like top three, three-point percentage career-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's him, uh, Steve Kerr, and his brother. <laughs> <laughs> And he's got a nice little uh, like he he got he has two dribbles in him, like yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, that's, two dribbles. <laughs> that's two more than you know a lot of those three point shooters. Like that's I never true. expected Kyle Corver to have a dribble in him. So that's true. Uh, maybe one. But. No, nah. I mean, Corver's got no dribbles. Corver's got nothing. Well, not now, now, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. But 
and but Tim yeah, Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's coming nasty. out there. He looks good. He looked good last year, but he looks really good in the playoffs. You know who also showing up? Former um, Washington Wizards bench warmer Trey Burke and Sixers bench warmer Trey Burke. Yeah, you know what? I'm not. I'm not even mad about that because he was trash on the Sixers. Yeah, I never showed up. I just like he's just like a hired gun, you know. Like he's good for like making a few shots, but he doesn't really do anything else for you. He's, he's definitely been, in been seamlessly with the steam right. though. He's oh, he he's looks good. Really, he looks good. He's been playing 22 minutes a game. The last time he was in the playoffs was with the Wizards back in 2017, and he played like six minutes a game, zero points a game, did nothing, did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Now he's playing 22 minutes a game. He's scoring 13 points a game. He's shooting at pretty high clips from the field and from three as well. Like he's yeah. really just kind of. I feel like he's he's filling a role that like Seth Curry used to fill, and like Seth Curry has stepped up a level, and then Trey Burke has slid into that utility that Seth Curry used to be. Um, it's pretty cool to see. They have a badass backcourt. That's pretty wild. It's crazy yeah, to see him contributing crazy. to that level. He looks like uh, like I guess Rick Carlisle's just like yeah, go ahead and be your like University of Michigan self. <laughs> well, he's earning those minutes, right? I think because he wasn't playing, he wasn't in that rotation playing those twenty minutes at the beginning of the bubble. But by come playoff time, he's like, all right, yeah, go out there. Do your thing. <laughs> Luca. Dude. All right. I don't know. I, I think he'd be like top six, maybe. All I'm saying is right now. To leave his, def- his defense is trash. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, we knew that pre-draft, though. <laughs> yeah. But it's bad. It's like next level. Like, I'm surprised they like- haven't picked on him more. Do you think it's just that he doesn't care or he just never really – I because, I mean, when you're 17 leading a team of grown men, right, like in the Euros, I'm pretty sure they were just like, don't even worry about it right now. Yeah, I, I think he cares. Uh, I just don't think he's – he's not your, like, traditional athlete or he's, yeah. he's not, like, NBA athletic. He's, he's quick, really quick first step. He like lets the game kind of come to him and moves at his own pace, but he doesn't move his feet really well side to side, especially. He on reminds me. I mean, this is not the best comparison, but he reminds me a bit of when Gortel. you watch James Harden. Um, James Harden always been like a bigger body. He's always he's always kind of uh, compared to like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook just like mm-hmm. jams the ball down his throat. Harden's just kind of been a little more slow going, but somehow he always still slips through all of those same spots on the court to like mm-hmm. find his path to the basket and to get his shots up. And that's what Luca does as well. He's he, I think he does have great footwork and he's able to move a little more slowly because he's able to focus so well on, um, on just keeping everything around him on balance while he's getting the players around him, defending him off balance mm-hmm. because footwork is so great. No, I agree with that. He does have so, the hardened footwork on offense, on defense. On, actually, on defense, I guess he's similar to him, too. <laughs> well, where, I was going to say, is the correlation that they – like, what's the correlation there, then, that they both suck at defense? <laughs> well, he, he, he could – like, I, I feel like when he was matched up against uh, Marcus Morris, like, that was probably where he belongs in, on defense. Like, he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to guard your Kawhis, and I guess he could yeah. guard Paul George in this situation the way he's playing. But <laughs> he can't guard your, like, really quick guards, but he can guard your bigger players because he is a big guy. He looks like a linebacker out there. Yeah, and I think that's fine, right? Like, it's a, your star offensive player, it's okay to, you know, sort of hide him a bit on defense as long mm-hmm. as he's not a net negative, right? He just needs to be neutral, like a good help defender. That's really all he needs to do. He's still so smart. He still is in the same spots, and he hits the spots well. He's just, yeah, he's not a lockdown D guy. Um, 
but I don't know, maybe that'll change as well. Maybe once he's still at some point, I think he's going to shed some of this baby fat and, and get a little more fit <laughs> as he's in the NBA for longer. So, so maybe some of those skills will, will kind of add back up once he gets there. He's going to be like 33 when he goes through that. All of a sudden he's like a <laughs> vegan and losing weight like crazy. It's Luca. When yeah. the Tom Brady regiment. <laughs> yeah. TB12. I mean, that game was, if he keeps performing at that level, I mean, and not even at that level, but if he keeps like winning games that he shouldn't win, like that's like, that's stuff you don't see all the time. How far can they go? How far can the Mavs go if if Luka keeps playing like this? Uh, this the Western Conference Finals if they beat the Clippers. Because whoever plays – I don't think Utah or Denver are that scary. Um, I would have put my money on Denver to beat Dallas, assuming like Dallas would beat L.A. Mm-hmm. But now that Denver is looks like they're about to get bounced out, I would put my mm-hmm. money on Dallas over Utah. Yeah, like I think it would be a good series. I just think they could beat them. Either, yeah. but like I think Dallas could beat either of those teams, especially if they beat a Clippers team that, although is underperforming, is still ultra talented. For sure, I think no, I agree. Utah Utah's in a similar position where they're kind of like a star-driven team with Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you compare that to Luca, like Luca is the better star, even though Donovan Mitchell is playing phenomenally right now. But then I think Luca also does have a better supporting cast around him too. Um, I, 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 I would know. I would take Dallas winning that that series. I thought well, what I liked about the, and the way they're playing right now in the playoffs is different than how they were built, right? Yeah. But I loved Utah as a team that really just surrounded themselves with a lot of great role players, right? Like Mike Conley, who's finally panning out, and then you know they still have Joe Ingles, and then Gobert, mm-hmm. and then um, is Favor still there? I don't no. even know. They missed no, Bogdanovich, though, man. That was oh, I was going to say, yeah, loss. Bogdanovich, that would have been huge. Yeah, he would have been great on the Sixers. But I digress. <laughs> My point is that now they are really being driven by uh, Mitchell, and I thought mm. that they had constructed themselves in a way where they didn't need to do that. Um, but he's playing great, so you really can't blame him. Their game plan last night when Mitchell put up 51 was literally just Mitchell, go. Mitchell go berserk. <laughs> like, that was it. That was I, I bet that's all they said in the huddle. There was yeah. no other planning once they got into the second half. It was just Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell. He does remind me of uh, – I've heard this comparison before, but I'm thinking of a particular team that Dwayne Wade was on. So he reminds me of Dwayne Wade, but the uh, before they had LeBron, but after they had Shaq, Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> 08 Dwayne Wade with, like, some ragtag team. I, I think the okay. Utah team is much better than that. The, 42 those and 40 Dwayne Wade? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 42 and 40, but he's, like, fantastic and incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, it kind of reminds me of that. Although I think Gobert is an all-star in and of itself. He's not capable of scoring. So, Joel Anthony, but, like, ten times better. Uh. Yeah, Joel Anthony was pretty trash, but you know what I mean. Yeah. On defense. <laughs> Gobert is definitely at least ten times better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying, though. Like, it's yeah. no, like... you're doing a bit. You're doing a big disservice to Gobert right now. <laughs> you're slapping <laughs> Gobert in the face. <laughs> yeah, he started yeah, COVID, so. <laughs> so then, you know, obviously, obviously, I think no matter how well the Clippers would play, I think Doncic would still be having these games. But how much is is the fact that this series is tied to two? The fact that like Kawhi's out there by himself, or that the Mavs are just that good? I think. I I think the Clippers are just that underperforming, right? Okay. Like they're – so everybody – it matters when you, like, play games together. 
<laughs> and so I feel like the big difference between this team that Kawhi's on and last year's team was that the Raptors still played played all of those 20 or 30 games that Kawhi wasn't there together. This team, it's like Kawhi missed 20 games. Paul George missed 20 games. Lou Williams missed 10. Harrell missed 10. You know, like Morris came in really late. I just It's just kind of like thrown together like it's an AAU team and they just like met up at the courts and we're like, all right, let's roll the ball out and we're going to be the most talented happens. team, but we don't have a plan in place. It's just – so I, I think a lot of it has to do with that. And, just and they're like, not even you know, at full strength now either because they're still waiting on Pat Dev to be back. They're still like Lou Williams and Montrez. Just got just, back. Just yeah. got back. Like, it's not even like they even had 10 games yeah. before the playoffs to do this. Like playoffs is the first go where they're even yeah. getting close. And, and I mean, just, it has to matter. Like the Mavericks, they play like – they play like they've been playing together all year. They play like really hard together. They they rally around their best players and Porzingis and Luca. Luca trusts them. Like I mean, he it shows. And I know he has the ball a lot, but he makes like really great decisions with it. I, I never see him take a bad shot. It's just and he also he does. Gosh, Luca is just he does such a great job of setting up his team as well. And yeah. I know like the the the. Um, the 43 points is going to be like the highlight and the game where is going to be the highlight um, when people are talking about Luca from this past weekend. But some of the passes that he was making was so insane. He's like, like he's Pete Maravich-esque, so man. He's Pete Maravich passing level. It's like, and scoring. Damn. Wow. I heard somebody wow. uh, on ESPN, I don't remember who it was, but um, it was probably Greeny. You guys listen to this new radio show? No, I'm a sucker for Greeny, no. man. He's so corny and so cheesy, but I like I love I don't like his get up show. It's I hate that show. But, but him on the radio is just something about it, man. When he's like reading uh ads and then going into like some interview with uh Buster Olney on I don't know. He's Anyways. just like too much the prototypical like sports radio guy. Like you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's that to a T and I hate yeah. it. <laughs> and I'm gonna yeah. tell you next who deserves <laughs> <laughs> you know the greeny teas yeah it's real um but yeah, anyway somebody good. on espn mentioned like um they comped him to jason kidd but with with a shot with a, like a oh yeah a really good three-point and, and and mid-range game uh, i thought that like his ability to impact the game i'm thinking jason kidd nets when he was like playing with richard jefferson and yeah. uh kenya martin and vince carter and you know those teams that in the early oos his like ability just like to take over a game, not by scoring but by just controlling it. Chris Paul does that too in a lot of ways, but it's fascinating. It's incredible. Really yeah, rare. I agree. Let's get back to the um, to the Clippers. Can I ask a Can I ask a question? By all means. Um, is Doc Rivers a good coach? I've been on this train forever. <laughs> Wow, what you take, train, man. Buddy. He is absolutely not a good coach. Like he's <laughs> above average at best, right? Like you hey, you can make the argument that he's one of 30 people that deserve a head coaching job. I'm That's fine. That's a fair that. argument, yeah. Right? But don't he's not a top 5 head coach, he's not a top 10 head coach like 15 to 20 range. Like he's you know, mediocre like he doesn't he doesn't do anything i, I think the <laughs> one nothing. thing the one thing he does that doesn't show up is that he does connect with his players it's both a positive and a negative and i say it's a positive because i think they play for him and they play hard because of it usually 
Um, this team has been hit or miss. Um, but on the flip side of that, they all whine about every single call. Yeah. And a lot well, of teams do do that, but that his team, different level. Because he, encur- he kind of encourages them to be, you know, like it, it's... Yeah, he empowers them. Yeah. He empowers them. It's, you know, I, that's not the way I would necessarily... Well, people just kind of carry on, but, you know, I get it. But yeah, his in-game adjustments are non-existent to the point of Brett Brown, Brett Brown level. Um, and Ty Lu level. He kind of reminds me of Ty Lu in that, like, he connects with players, but he doesn't do anything else. Yeah. I was so infuriated watching the, the, the Clips-Mavs game on Sunday because, again, they weren't going to stop Luka no matter what they were doing. But, like... It would help to get Reggie Jackson off the floor. Yeah, all Dallas was doing for... <laughs> Why is he Dallas playing at doing, all? <laughs> all Dallas was doing for, like, their entire comeback from when they were down 27 or whatever that count was... They were just running pick and rolls. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. They were just running Luca run pick and rolls, and they were just finding spaces and finding shots off of that, whether it was Luca making the shot or creating the shot for someone else. And the Clippers, they, they kept defending this pick and roll in the same exact way every time. They were sagging down. They were, they were switching on every pick and roll and just, like, giving the ball handler space to, to make an adjustment or to take yeah. a shot. And they did that for three and a half quarters, and it never worked. And finally, finally, with like eight minutes left in the fourth, they finally decided to change up what they were doing. They finally decided to stay home on screens and, and push through screens and like keep Kawhi on Luka and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it worked. They actually slowed them down. It actually made a big difference. Kawhi shut down Luka for like eight straight possessions. But then once we got into overtime – they just went away from it again. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I understand what either the players are doing or, or what Doc is doing. I think it comes down to Doc, because at the end of the day, if the players aren't doing it. Doc's got to be there to be like, yo, you need to tighten this up and get back to, to whatever our game plan was. And their game plan clearly was not, like, making adjustments and actually attacking this Dallas Mavericks offense in the right way. Yeah. My, my theory on that is, like, I, th- I think it reminds me of, like, Carl Malone trying to uh, – not Carl Malone um, – What's his name? The coach Malone. What's his first name? Greg Carl. Mike Malone. Oh, Mike Malone. Um, I'm totally George messing Carl. this up. George Carl, not Carl Malone. <laughs> George Carl. Greg Carl. Mike Malone, Denver coach. George Carl, old Denver coach. <laughs> right, it reminds me of George Carl when he was trying to save uh, Gary Payton by not putting him on um, on on Jordan, mm-hmm. and it's like. Yeah, that cost you the series, though, right? And I feel like Doc is in, you know, more so to please Kawhi than anything else is like mm-hmm. trying to save them. Like, hey, just focus on offense right now. We don't want to tire you out, whatever. But it's like counterintuitive, right? And you know, on the Spurs, for example, it was like your main priority is defense. The offense will handle itself. Yeah. And I think he's just as good on both. It, it seems kind of like a waste of his talent to purposely not put him on their best player. So I think, I think that's why it took so long for it to happen. No. <sighs> You can't have Reggie Jackson guarding him at all. I just, you can't have <laughs> you can't and, and even Pat Beverly. You can pick him up on a on a switch, but like it really should be Paul George. If you're gonna if Paul George is gonna show up on the offensive end, he needs to show up on the defensive end, right? Because I don't think I think Kawhi should be guarding? that person who kind of like slides over to. I, I don't know. Paul George was posted in the corner. He was doing nothing on that last play. Just like, on that last but, play, like it was it was it was Reggie Jackson and Kawhi who were yeah. in the backcourt and who were no. clearly going to be teed up like in this offensive. Like, 
That was a good double switch, though. Or what happened there, though, was good planning by Carlisle because it was like two screens that set up a a mandatory switch, essentially. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think the uh, (laughs) the Clippers were expecting that they weren't going to be able to to not switch that. Does that make sense? I think they felt in those last three seconds like, oh crap. Yeah, and that was besides besides doubling him. I mean, there really was nothing else you could do. Like that was good. Except was, get Reggie Jackson off. That the was court. good. Yeah, he shouldn't have been on the court. That's like that's uh, <laughs> that is fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, to Juan's point, they're not necessarily on that play about like Paul George just sitting in the corner. But that was him the whole game, right? I couldn't even tell right. you Juan. I watched the whole game. I could not tell you who he was guarding or what he was doing because he's just like that never shows up. And then all of a sudden, maybe he has six points in a row, and then he's gone again. And it's like, okay, what? Like I thought you were supposed to be this amazing yeah. player and he's just that's just not how he is and you're good on both ends right like if you're not if you're having an off shooting night or an off shooting series like make your presence known Do with on the, the other, other stuff. side right exactly like, tell Kawhi, hey that's... all right i need you to take yeah. over the offense and then i'll i got your back on the defense like he could guard Doncic pretty absolutely well, right? he's built that way to do that exactly. that's that's the whole point when they go up against lebron and the lakers that's what everybody keeps talking about they have all these wings to throw at lebron and they do but you still have to be able to guard LeBron. <laughs> right. So you got to do it. <laughs> right now, I don't think – if you can't guard Luka, I think you're going to have similar problems. Yeah, for sure. Like, they're not – Luka's not fast. So, you know, it's not like you're guarding somebody who's Luka size and fast. Like, he's probably slower than LeBron. He, now, he's a better shooter, but you know you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I, yeah, they're yeah, going to have a hard yeah. time when they get to that series, if they get to that series. Do you remember last year when Paul George was with the Thunder and he was – he was literally a defensive player of the year candidate. And he was an MVP candidate. A little, yeah, his season ended up being like a little riddled with injuries and stuff towards the end. And he had, yeah. he had all the shoulder stuff go down. But like he, he's clearly able to be that player. And that's exactly why the Clippers chose to get him over, over other, other prospects throughout the league. Yeah, I, well, he's the difference between the, like, sorry, Juan, uh, the difference between greatness no, and like be, superstar and all-star to me is like, consistency right and all-star and good player like you have to show up at a certain level every night like that's part of the job like it's just as likely that Paul George is going to come out game five and score 40 points but knowing that he might not be there the next game after that is an issue like and they they're a talented enough team that they can get past this Dallas team without him playing consistently but they won't get past they might get past Denver or Utah. But they won't get past the Lakers playing like this. Agreed. Do you remember what the Clippers traded away to get Paul George? Um, I know that it was Shy, Gallinari, and picks. Like six picks. Do you remember or something? how many picks though? That's the <laughs> it's, key. It's like six picks, and they made the argument that it was so they could get Kawhi and Paul George. And I'm not even saying it was wrong, but couldn't you have like? <laughs> held back on one or two of those or maybe kept shy shy was the he's the one no, that he was they the wanted. centerpiece though yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, they gave up they gave up their one. their own first round pick in 2022 and 2024 and 2026 and then gave around two of miami's first round choices that they own the rights to in 2021 and 2023 and they gave okc the right to swap first round picks in 2023 and 2025 like they did all they this stuff, but... and now we're getting pandemic P. We're getting pandemic Paul George, and I just wonder how they feel. I wonder if they're reevaluating. I wonder. I wonder what's what's going on in that front office right now. It's scary that so, he can. They can both opt out next year, 
after next year. Yeah, that's true. And their whole team. That's just <laughs> that's really scary. I don't, I don't. I mean, it's it was the right call because they got Kawhi there, but. I think it's a lot to give up. They all, they clearly lost the trade, but you they have to look at it in the sense that Kawhi straight up told them it's Paul George or I'm not coming, right? And if you look at it that way, you have to convince yourself, well, we give up shy and picks for Kawhi and Paul George. And then you win that trade if you look at it that way. So it's very justifiable. I think they legitimately felt it's both or neither. And when you're when you're looking at that, then you know, you, you do it for Kawhi, right? Like he's a top three, top five player in the league and he's incredible in the playoffs, right? Ultimately, I think Kawhi even feels like I don't need Paul George to put up 20. Like I, I will will this team into the mm-hmm. series and like the rest of the playoffs. And on that alone, you do it, I think. Yeah, and he's good enough. Yeah. I'm still it's surprised very... by, by how, just how good Kawhi is. And it's not, it's not, always, it's not always the most um, explosive like form of greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always the flashiest thing, even though it very often is with him when he's when he's making clutch shots at the end of the game and like draining shots that are bouncing off the backboard 15 times like he did against Philly last year. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Darcy. He's just still so good defensively. And again, like he shut down Luka when he was guarding Luka at the end of the game, or at least at the end of the fourth quarter against Dallas. But like every, every mid-range shot that he takes also – just always goes in. Mm-hmm. I swear he makes a hundred percent of the shots that he takes from the right corner, like right outside, right elbow, paint, like yeah. right on the wing. The right elbow. Yeah. He makes a hundred percent of those shots That's every time he takes it. But he's always able to get there as well. And it just, yeah, he does so many small things that just really blows my mind. He's incredible. It's yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, he was unbelievable in that Sixers series. Like that was uh, he he really did will them to win that game. There's no no one else on that team was showing up that particular game. I think Ibaka did. Um, I'm sure, I have no doubt that he'll Ibaka, Ibaka. Yeah, I have no doubt that he'll do everything he can to get this team where they need to go. But see if he's going to be enough, man. Juan, how much do you miss him? Um, I it's one of those like, you know, it sucked, but I, I you just don't dwell on it anymore, right? He like, blo- he blocked her Instagram. He's like. Yeah, not you know, looking at her like, Facebook, like he's just—he's and then maybe every why, couple why of years he's like, let me just see, what, let me just see what she's doing, and then like you're just like, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think uh, I admit, like he—he, he, I think he's a top three player in the league right now, and it sucks to let that go. I—I th- I thought he was a top three player in the league by the time he left, but I mean, it is what it is. You know, didn't make the playoffs this year, so that sucks. I see the first year after Kawhi, we won 47 games with DeRozan and Aldridge, and I was like, "Hey, like we're gonna have a healthy roster this season." So I was like, "We're 50 coming back." Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, "We're a 50 win team again." If we win 50 wins with Demar and we're like competitive in the playoffs, that's that's the best you could ask for. But then to go from 47 wins to like 33 wins, that was pretty brutal. Like that, I I don't know what happened this year. They were just they could never find a lineup. They couldn't they couldn't make it work. Uh, with yeah. that roster I think even Pop just was just like not sure what type of basketball he wanted to play based on the roster that he had so speaking of um, teams that fill your heart with joy or at least supposed to um, how do you feel about the Sixers Darcy nothing <laughs> you know honestly it was like so 
So this team has been like really hard to watch all year. And I've intentionally avoided a lot of their games because they're just not fun. It's one of those teams that's kind of clunky. They don't move the ball well. They can't do basic fundamental things like pass into the post. And sure enough, come the playoffs, we're missing, I'm going to say our best player after watching this past series uh, in Ben Simmons. And we couldn't get a bucket. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything right, man. And we, couldn't, we didn't play hard. Um, I thought we played half-assed, like, all series. And at times, it was just, like, completely lackluster. Such a, like, if you compare and contrast this team with, like, the uh, Sexton Juan uh, the other day, the team that had Redick and Bellinelli and Ilyasova, the first time Simmons and Embiid were, I think it was Embiid's first full season. Like, he played, like, 30 games the year before. And this was, like, his first full year um, that him and Simmons were playing together. They just, it was the first year Redick was there. Um, they picked up Bellinelli and Ilyasova. Um, what I don't, what, what's the not trade deadline, but the buyout area. Um, that team versus this team, in terms of like how exciting it was, how awesome it was to watch them play, how much they moved the ball, how cool it was to see like Brett Brown actually run a system, and how much that has changed in the past two plus years. And now we again like we do this thing where we can't pass into the post and we can't pass out of double teams. It's the craziest shit. I've never seen anything like it. It's disappointing. Yeah. I think this team is just bad roster construction. Ultimately. Terrible. I, I think um, we've seen enough from the past two seasons that like you can make it work with the right guys, but mm-hmm. this, they just, they couldn't get Butler and they just cashed in on Harris, which is a terrible idea and let everyone else go. Yeah. It's, they shouldn't have made the trade for Harris in the first place, looking back at it, right? I thought Shamit was the replacement for Redick. That was your ability to let Redick go in the offseason, and they traded him away, along with the Miami pick, which ended up it isn't a big deal. It's not gonna. It's going to be a fine because Butler's on that team now, um, in addition to their own pick, and I thought they just gave up too much for Harris, who was on an expiring contract. Like that's that's typically a fir- one first round pick for an expiring contract, not a a ro- seriously it's somebody he should he plays for the Lakers. He's a rotation player for or not the Lakers, rotation player for the Clippers. He was certainly a rotation player for the Sixers on a really great deal on his rookie deal for the next three years. When we gave him up for an expiring contract, I just it doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, do you think it is? It is more of a roster construction issue or more of a coaching issue? What's the root problem? Roster construction, 100%. That being said, I'm really glad they fired Brett Brown because it wasn't, it wasn't going to work. No. Just, they should have fired him last year, but I understood why they didn't. Um, but, yeah, their roster was just – they set him up for, for failure. They should have brought sure. McConnell back. And, like, all jokes aside, like, I, I really do love McConnell – um, but all jokes aside, like they needed somebody like him and just in this series alone to be able to throw a basic entry pass and to give some effort and to be that person who kind of embodies Philadelphia and embodies like the soul of the game. It sounds like really stupid. It's kind of like the Patrick Beverly <laughs> effect, right? Like the Clippers are really missing him and it's not because yeah, his defense is great, but his energy is what really brings something like that alive. And the Sixers really could have used something like that in addition to like not bringing Reddick back and deciding to bring Harris back at this exorbitant number 
and then signing Horford because he was killing us in the playoffs. But now he's still killing you in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a reason to have him. Like, okay, so why wasn't he coming off the bench the whole year? Why was he yeah. starting next to Embiid? <laughs> he could have – it's fine. Okay, he's overpaid to be a backup center, but, like, at some point you have to, like, look yourself in the mirror and you got to understand who somebody is. He's somebody who needed to play 25 minutes. He was going to get you 12 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a block, and he was going to spell Embiid. Great. Not start next to him with Simmons. It was just – ah, yeah, really sad. I thought they should have got Bogdanovich, um, the guy who's on the Jazz now, who was on the Pacers last year. thought that's who they should have went after. Agreed. A better shooting Agreed. Harris, essentially, and probably would have been a lot cheaper. Harris, dude, five years, $180 million? <laughs> What? I, just, I don't even think we saw – like, his resume doesn't speak max contract, right? Like, he, no. He was good at his destinations, but – I don't know. I don't know what the thought was. I I think it was one of those where like the media, that sounds like, that sounds so weird in this day and age, but I'm not saying like, oh, the media. I just mean like, like a lot of sports columnists were just like, oh, Harris might get the max. And then all of a sudden his value was the max. You know what I mean? When it never should have been. Yeah. Who else was giving him the max? I think he would have gotten the max somewhere. Like the, the Clippers didn't want to give him the max. That's why they wanted to trade him. He would have gotten it somewhere. I just don't think it should have been Philly. I don't know. I don't know if he would have got it somewhere. I felt like that's what his like market price was by the time free agency came around. Not that it should have been, but that's what no, it no, was. yeah. Um, he definitely shouldn't have been. I understand when you place pay somebody like Jimmy Butler's a great example. You pay some, you overpay. Um, so I, I get that, but he's not at the level of even Jimmy Butler or of previously Gordon Hayward. Like those are the people who are kind of like that second tier below the first ten guys. Or De- even DeRozan, he's not. He's not. DeRozan's worth the max, but he's not. Or at least he was. It, yeah. Harris never really was. He was Indeed. somebody who's going to score eighteen to twenty-two. He shoots. His numbers look good, but he's not somebody who can do anything else. He's. He floats in and out of games. He doesn't. He's not a great defender. He's a good defender. Good teammate. So like that probably plays into it. And honestly, if we didn't have Embiid or Simmons. I might feel very differently about like, all right, cool. Like, sure. We got to pay somebody, but we didn't need to pay somebody in this situation who didn't fit as well as somebody else could have, including Reddick, who we could have got. We could have got Reddick. I would have been very happy with Reddick McConnell and Doug McDermott. <laughs> like <laughs> instead of Harris. Death, yeah. yeah the of the day. Darcy's essentially choosing Doug McDermott over Tobias Harris. <laughs> All, those three guys for Harris right now. It's I, all about value. Exactly. No, I know. There's, yeah, there's, there, there are, there are a lot of players that are worth the max. Yeah. And there are a lot of players that you can overspend for. And like right. Tobias Harris just is not that. Tobias Harris is a max contract that crushes your franchise. Yeah. And sets you up for failure for a couple of years until you can figure out how to get out of it. Um, and I, we've seen it many times before. And you know, one of Faith the things that, well. yeah. I mean, but I don't blame the Wizards for that. Was worth he was worth the contract. John Wall no, no, is no, no, a guy who is worth one hundred percent. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I was saying trade trade Harris for John. Oh, Wall. Oh, I got some trades. In case the Wizards get... also want to get rid of that contract. Yeah. So Darcy, so so I got some coaching. Trades. The the coach is gone. Brett Brown is fired, and we don't yeah. know how that's going to pan out next. We don't know who's going to be there. But Better yeah, be Jay you... Wright from Villanova, Jerry Stackhouse from Vanderbilt. 
as not the Ty one, Lu, not Ty Lu. <laughs> as the one and only Philly expert who will strangle people if they make the wrong choices, what are their trades that they make? What are their moves to retool this roster? All right, so let's. Oh my God, hold up! I, before you get that, I, all I did was click NBA home because I wanted. There was an article. Did they have Ty Lu. Yeah, and I was like, could Ty Lu be next 76ers coach? Oh. <laughs> First thing that popped up. Uh, you know where he's going to end up if they fire D'Antoni at the Rockets? He's going to he's going to end up over oh, there. Oh, you think so? I yeah, I could see that happening. Sources sources say that D'Antoni is very close to being out. You know, he's going to go to New Orleans season. and he's going to be like running shit Ooh, down there. That's going to be insane. No, Lonzo Holiday. Very. That's amazing. Ex- For no, New yeah, Orleans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm just thinking. Reddick like, on the, the corner. That's scary, dude. He would actually go back to having fun being a coach, right? Because I think, go ahead. No, because I think he's like so unhappy in Houston, like knowing that the best way for them to win is to just do the yeah. whole hard and ISO thing, right? So I think he's a good coach in terms of like doing whatever he can. But yeah, they're not. It seems like the the upper management, right, also isn't like particularly happy with how they've done. Yeah, dude. Him and him in New Orleans. <laughs> Different level. Who's the he's a who's the coach? Big four, the uh, big white guy that New Orleans has. He's like kind of like chunky, uh, European guy. Shoots like really well from outside. Oh, um, something with an M, I think. Um, what? Oh my God, I can't remember his oh, name, shit. but he. But uh, I feel like he would like <laughs> flourish. He would flourish. Melly. Yeah. Melly. Yes, Melly. Yeah, he's nasty. Dude, him and Reddick in the corners on the on like. Yeah, that and Holiday running that shit and like Ball serving as the backup that's, there. That's just. I think it'd be really good for Ball, you know. I yeah, think. that's exactly the type of system he needs to be in. Um, it is anyways. wild that D'Antoni. <laughs> sorry, we've got to go to we're on this D'Antoni discussion. We're already here. Um, he, gosh, when he was coaching Carmelo, he fought against that ISO ball so hard. He hated coaching Carmelo. They had a shitty relationship because they could not sync up and how like either of them wanted to play. And it is fascinating that D'Antoni went from being that stringently against that style of play to being 300% in on this Rockets team. Like yeah. the, the, the flip was drastic. And I can imagine that, it, that he wants to get out and wants to get back to what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I think it's a, well, it shows maturity on his part a little bit. Like he just ate it and he was like, you know what? This is our only chance of winning, especially with the type of players that they've surrounded him with. Mm-hmm. you know for the past four years good roster but, construction yeah the opposite and, of the sixers uh, right right they've just right so like surrounded him with shooters but i do think that it's eating at him like crazy you know like he wants to get back to coaching a yeah. real team <laughs> and, and that would I think that would be a lot of fun yeah i think he was willing to like do it this way for a couple of years and he was like we can probably win once once they had like once he's realized that they're not gonna get over that hump probably it's a good time to to get out. You know what's has to be frustrating for them. <laughs> they they really should have kept Chris Paul, and oh, I know yeah. they traded him because Harden didn't want to play with him anymore. But this this year, right now, there's like there's a big power vacuum, and a team that's been together for several years would really have an upper hand, especially if they still had Paul and Capella. I just feel like that team they could run it back. Was already giving the Warriors problems. I think they might have wanted this year. That team was so close. They were yeah. so close in that Warrior series to 
to actually stopping them, actually stopping yeah. that Golden State team. And but you're uh, probably liked it when Chris Paul was in and, <laughs> and Harden was out. Yeah. He enjoyed those 15 minutes. Uh, crazy. Um, back to the Sixers, though. Br- bringing it full circle. We don't want D'Antoni, by the way. I don't want D'Antoni there. Why? Would, I, don't, I think he'd be great with Simmons, but we'd have to get rid of Embiid. Eh, maybe not. I don't know. I think he could. He is, runs a pick and roll, Stoudemire style. Oh, I wanted to close the D'Antoni gap while you're looking for that. So, because you met, you brought up the mellow Knicks, and I think the big difference here is that one Harden is a willing passer, and he's a great passer. Mello isn't as willing, although he's he is now a little bit, uh, and he is a good passer, and he also wasn't shooting threes. He was reluctant to shoot threes, and that's what D'Antoni's point was. And the Rockets right now is threes or layups. Mello is like the exact opposite. It was post up and mid range. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like they're like, I think it's easier to buy in when Harden is willing to play a little mo- bit more of a numbers game and he finds people when they're open. Yeah. But... So go ahead. Right, I'm go sorry. Ahead. No, I mean, we're going to cut this out anyway. But I, my problem with Harden's assists is they all come with four seconds left on the shot clock. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Don't like, I, I can <laughs> hate watching Harden. I like hate watching their game. I like, I, I hate watching the Rockets. Like, I hope they lose the series because I don't want to watch a Rockets Lakers series. Did you guys catch the end of tonight's game? No. What happened? Um, OKC tied it up. Yeah, it's two two. The series. Nice. It was a, playing well. Chris, I Paul, watched man. like the last six minutes. It was pretty good. Nice. They're yeah, playing good basketball. Don't they're, tell me what happened with Portland or LA. I'm gonna try and catch that then. Okay. Darcy, yeah. is Embiid a player that you keep if you're Philly? Like, do you do you keep both Simmons and Embiid? Do you let one of them go? What do you do? All right, wait, really quick. So I, I need to mention this, and I think it's worth mentioning. Every time I see Jason Tatum make a three or do something awesome in a game against the Sixers, it just breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. And I don't blame us for taking <laughs> faults. I, I like that we went up and got the guy that we thought we should get. No one else was saying we sh- anybody was to take Tatum. In fact, it was probably Fultz or Ball. Other people were saying Ball should go first. But damn, if we just would, if Hinky would have been there, we wouldn't have made that trade. <laughs> we would have took Tatum. <laughs> and it's like, just like <clears throat> he would have been like whoever falls to us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it just or he would have traded that third pick for like eight second rounders. But yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Anyways, back to your question, Josh. All right, so Darcy, if, if Jason Tatum makes you sad and cringe, then you're going to love this. Um, Markel Fultz, this playoffs, in four games against Milwaukee, or, yeah, in four games against Milwaukee, has made five three-pointers. Um, in the four games that Philly has played, Tobias Harris and Al Horford combined have made two three-pointers. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I'm, I'm not even mad about for you to like, simmer and to to let that haunt your dreams tonight. What do you guys with, get? Go ahead. Huh? No, go ahead. Go ahead. The thing with Fultz, I'm really glad that they traded him because he wasn't going to work. They they we were on such a win now trajectory that we couldn't. That and this is management's problem. Like I, I don't think we needed to trade him, but we because we traded him for nothing. Um, That's what I was going to ask. Jonathan you- Simmons and James Ennis, who both of them aren't on the team. James Ennis is on the Magic right now. Um, <laughs> contributing rotational player, by the way, on both the Sixers last year and the Magic this year. 
Um, but like, you know, good for him. He uh, so frustrating, man. I'm sure he's, I hope he continues to like regress because he's such a, an amazing athlete um, that if we didn't have Simmons, I would have felt a lot differently about them trading him because he could have, he would have got those minutes and probably would have put up some really good numbers. The Horford Harris, just like without even bringing up Pultz, like that's, that's one of the big reasons we traded for Harris was that he was capable of hitting the corner three at like he's a 40% two, clip. He's made two three pointers. And he's the so frustrating. He is Horford's just trash. He's done. Like I, Harris, <laughs> and a waste of a contract. Harris, he'll look so smooth and hit like this, like really nice jumper in the paint, or like do a couple different good things, and then he completely disappears, kind of like uh, Paul George, but way worse. And he does these. Th- All of a sudden, he'll just like he'll he'll look smooth again, and then he'll go up for a shot, and you're like, oh, like he's done this a billion times. It's gonna like look really good and go in and he just completely bricks it like completely bricks it like misses the rim like i've seen him do that way too many times or airballs a three and i'm like what is going on right now i can't i'm sorry i'm sorry Darcy. Darcy. thank you they got you. they got to move away they got to make some big changes crocodile tears they should start by hiring you as their head coach so thank moving you. on um <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and beaten simmons right should they keep him? Yeah. Should they keep him? I uh, okay. So I two. There's two different routes they can go. They could keep him, and I think they are capable of playing together if the if the roster is put together in a way similar to the Redick, Iliasova, Bellinelli team. Right. That that team was built for them to succeed. I would not be upset if they traded Embiid and got the right pieces back. I wouldn't trade Simmons, but I would trade Embiid. Uh, not necessarily because of the injury history, but it's it's really because of his effort. His effort is just, like, piss poor. And his ability to focus in games and just, like, check in and out is really disappointing. And I just – you can't teach motor. I just – he's better – I think he's more capable and better than Simmons, honestly. But he's a higher ceiling. But it just means shit when you don't try. I was thinking about this though, in regards to Doncic, and so I ran back to Doncic again. But when he when he hit that game winner on Sunday, um, he was able to get to a spot and like hit that shot effortlessly. He got that shot up effortlessly, mm-hmm. and I was just I was circling back to a play like Embiid and thinking about how hard it would be to have your go-to guy in that scenario be someone who needs the ball in the post, and like. Doncic had it easy for the the space that he was able to create to get a good shot off. But if you're a team like Philly, who is then instead relying on a post player as your go-to guy with three seconds left, it's even more challenging to accomplish. And then when you when you pair that challenge with the the unsatisfactory coaching and the unsatisfactory like team makeup, mm-hmm. it's just it's damn near impossible to even utilize Embiid in the smallest moments, let alone the biggest moments, to its full capacity. Um, well, he needs to be able to pass out of a double team for us to be able to go to him at the end of a game or to trust him. We do go to him, but to trust him at the end of a game, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it, he's not going to be dribbling the ball down the court, but that doesn't mean that if you get it, if he shoots it in the post, I'm very happy with that shot. He's going to make 55 to 60% of those. So that's, that's not necessarily a problem, but it is a problem getting him the ball. And when we don't have the makeup to actually do that, 
when Shake Milton is our point guard, who has no, he's not a point guard. He's just, that's not his game. His game is give him 15 shots and don't let him handle the ball at all. That's not like, it's not fair to him to put him in that. And same with Josh Richardson. He's not a point guard. These guys aren't point guards. 15 shots, no dribbles. No, yeah. <laughs> no dribbles that result in a pass. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think um, one, learn, learning to manage the double team, right? But I think that, that just comes with experience. Like, I don't think it that's does, a yeah. big knock on him yet, right? Like, going back to the person mm-hmm. that broke my heart, it took a while, a couple of years to get used to the attention he was drawing and be able to work around it, right? Mm-hmm. I think Embiid will do that. But you got to give it He has to- done it. Yeah, he, sometimes he looks good out of it. Yeah, but to right. do it consistently, right? Like knowing mm-hmm. if the ball's going to go to me, but you also need to have a, like someone that's going to stand on the opposite side of the floor that can or catch space that the floor. three. Yeah. yeah, and like be able to knock it down, right? <laughs> so I, I think it just goes back to roster construction. I think they should keep both. I also yeah. would Embiid with the ball in the post with four seconds left, yeah. right? knowing that if the double comes, he can kick out and you get an open shot. And if it doesn't, like, you know, it's, it's like an eight-foot shot for him, and he has pretty good footwork. I, I trust that he could get a good shot off. Dude, speaking of the post-ups for Embiid and the things that – going back to Brett Brown's coaching and one of the reasons <laughs> I, I think it's worth firing him over this, um, they will do this thing where they'll give it to Embiid, and they did it a lot this series. They give it to Embiid in the post, and the double comes, and it comes because nobody's moving. So that guy who gave it to him in the post isn't moving at all. He's not shading to the corner. He's staying on the wing. You either need to shade to the corner or you need to cut through. So Embiid has a one-on-one opportunity. Or if a double comes, you're actually wide open. They don't, they don't do that. It's like very basic basketball. There's like very basic spacing. Every team in the league does it. <laughs> Sixers can't do it. With the, probably the best post player in the game right now. So it's just like, what are we doing? It's so frustrating. You guys want to hear my Embiid traits? Yeah. Yes. All right. Here's my Embiid traits. I'm not saying I would do this, but I would seriously consider these. And these are trades that I think make us better in the moment. And I'm not like counting first round picks that would need to be included or whatever, you know, whatever to match the salaries or anything like that. Um, There's a couple I have here. So Sacramento Kings have Bogdanovich, who's going to be a restricted free agent. I love him so much. Sign and trade for Bogdanovich and Bagley for Embiid. Because Bogdanovich needs to be signed. He's again uh, restricted. What if you could? What if you could get healed out of that? Yeah, if we could get Bogdanovich, Bagley, and healed, ideal. And I wouldn't take any picks. Otherwise, I probably want to pick or two. I'd rather have healed because he's a. We are leaning. We, it's go time, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Reasons I like that trade, of course, Bagley is capable of playing some of those minutes that Embiid had. We have Horford, so we might as well can use him. Um, yeah. And then, of course, I love Bogdanovich, Juan, like you mentioned. Like, I just – his game is – his game would so be really awesome, like, next to Simmons and running the floor with him. It would just yeah. be crazy. I think he has the type of talent where he could be the perfect third-best player on your team. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, we're missing I, out I number would... two, but, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, I would do that. Um, I think that's – just because I'm a huge, maybe like other people would look like, no, it's not worth your value. But just because I'm a big Bogdanovich fan, yeah. uh, Kings Bogdanovich, although Jazz Bogdanovich is also nasty, but nonetheless, I think that'd be that'd be a dope trade. He would be fit a good well one, with um, with Simmons. Yeah, same with Bagley. I think he would fit well yeah. too. I think he's, he's um, just a good, like, solid big man. You know, 
Yeah, he's going to be a solid pro. He's not going to be – he's going to live down the – the Doncic thing is going to haunt him, um, at least as long as he's on the Kings. But he's going to be a good pro. He might make an all-star team or two. He's, he is that talented. I think he'll always be a starter. I don't think he'll make an all-star. Fair. Um, next one I got. This one I'm, I'm so-so on because um, I, I don't I'm necessarily like the fit, but uh, Oladipo and Sabonis for Embiid. I don't think they do that. <laughs> That's too much for Indiana to give up. Yeah. <laughs> Which thinks, is crazy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know about that. Oladipo's their guy. But Oladipo doesn't fit next to Brogdon. They've been having a really hard time with that. Again, I don't know how Oladipo would work with, next to Simmons because I don't think he's the, he's a good enough shooter. But I feel like Oladipo's issues this year have – I mean, he was injured for most of the season. I, I, I think things would look different if he actually had time to be on the court and to actually work with Brogdon and actually like fit into that system more appropriately. Yeah. I think you're right in the sense that he's a very, like a little more old school too, where like he needs the ball a lot to, Mm -hmm. to get to work, you know? So I don't know how that would affect. I mean, I think it's also okay with like Simmons, you know, letting go of the ball a few possessions and just hiding in the corner. Even if you know, he's only going to make 30% of them or even 28%, like just, Put it up whenever Oladipo yeah. gives you the ball. Um, I think I don't know that the Pacers would do that. Maybe they would do it just because they're more concerned with Oladipo's injury history than with uh, Embiid's. But that one's probably a little. You'd probably have to give a pick in that one. No, you think? Yeah, Dude, Sabonis 100%. is nasty. Sabonis, Sabonis is nasty. Is so I love good, Sabonis. Darcy. Well, that's why I said Sabonis, not Miles Turner. Well, they would they would do Oladipo and Miles Turner. I don't think they'd give up Sabonis and Oladipo. I don't know. You'd, you'd give up a pick on that one. All right. I'd see. I'd be willing to, <laughs> you, honestly. You can live with that. <laughs> Those are two all-star players. Like, they're not going to be superstars. Like, Embiid is a superstar, right? But yeah. – and that that would – him and Brogdon would play really well together. What about team. Sabonis and Brogdon? Yes. Not enough. I would do it, but I don't think they would think it's enough. The Sixers Clearly. or the Pacers? I don't think the Sixers would think that's enough. I'd rather have Brogdon. I would not as because, well. Oh. Like that, that, that makeup of the team, I think, would be yeah. fantastic. But yeah, I yeah. think, like structurally and like with that management right now, they would they would laugh at a at an offer like that. They they wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't consider it. I think maybe if they tech, if you could convince the like if the Pacers were in on it, and then you just think you're like you raise your like you could probably have them at a pick or something if you yeah. wanted to make like if you're the GM right and you're like I want to make sure to get what I want plus value. You know what makes me really sad? Another Harris, Harris thing is uh, <laughs> you look at somebody like Brogdon who's getting paid a lot less and was definitely up for grabs if you wanted to pay max money and it would have been a lot less money. Yeah. And probably a better, I mean, honestly, a better player because he can do a lot more things. But even just looking at it last year, it probably would have been a toss-up. And we went with Harris. So that's cool. That's cool. So sad. It's biased, man. Um. All right, this one is Harris and Embiid for Beal and Wall. All right, Darcy, I'm going to leave. I'll head out. I'll see you later. Um... <laughs> I Honestly, I think that's a win-win for both. Um... How is that a win-win for the Wizards? How is okay, whoa, whoa, okay. Of... You're, we're down, you're downplaying Embiid right now. Like You're yeah. still talking about somebody who's a top-10 player. He's, more, he's higher up than Beal to me. Yeah, for sure. I think, look, I am also a huge Embiid fan. Like, he's... He, he's like the a big man that belongs in a different era, right? Like I was telling Darcy beforehand, I was like, he would have been amazing in the 2000s. But anyway, 
I think that the Wizards have been trying to make uh, Wall and Beal work for a long time. They had a couple good runs, right? And then they've been decimated by injuries. But the Wizards, you know, there was rumors that they were willing to, like, like let go of Beal because they knew that he was very valuable. I think that that it's a good time to maybe just not run it back with that anymore. You, yeah, you, you have the opportunity of them both, be, both being healthy, blah, healthy and then seeing what happens. But they've, like... They've done that a lot, and I think it would be a good time to get a franchise player in Embiid. That's a player that the fans could get in on, and then maybe they can surround that team better with like better talent than the Sixers have and make it work. If they if they would trade for Embiid, as a Wizards fan, I would need to see them also hire not a not even Elton a personal Brand. trainer, just a <laughs> just a training team to whip Embiid into shape and actually get him able. So frustrating. To last the fucking playoff series. That has to be a must in any trade. Hell, that would be one of the top hires for the Sixers this year. Get MB yeah. the personal trainer. Hey, Josh, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if we had this really great backup center that we could put in place of Embiid and give him some proper rest? Like Al Horford last year? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. We play them at the same time. <laughs> Why do we do that? So we have to play Mike Scott 30 minutes? Like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, okay, but... I, oh, I honestly, I, I think that that Wall and Beal carry too much value. And I'd say that not even as a Wizards fan, just as just as a, like someone who watches basketball, like the, the equivalent of those two players is more than Embiid would be. I, I agree that they're both really good. I think Beal carries value. I think mm-hmm. Wall is known around the league as having one of the worst contracts because he still has yeah. like three years and he got signed right as like the salary cap exploded. So he's getting paid like $40 million and doing nothing. So I don't, I don't think they carry value at all. <laughs> like, at least when you group them together. Well, that's anything, the thing that right now, right now he is doing nothing, but the minute that he actually comes back and starts playing, which I know doesn't like, that's a, that's a fallen situation in that fact that he did get hurt and he is like costing so much money. But the minute that he does come back, he immediately like retains a lot of that value. So right now it feels like he's a lost cause, but the minute that he's back on the court again, like that, that, that value skyrockets back up. I, I just don't think so. Right. Cause like think of the players that are making $40 million right now, you know, it's like Westbrook, I think Russell Westbrook Chris Paul. Curry, Chris mm-hmm. Paul, like those are the guys that I, I just don't think. Tobias Harris. <laughs> is he making forty? Is that his max? I don't think he's making forty yet, but he will by the end of this contract. It like escalates up. That's what the I thing, think- though. I genuinely believe that that John Wall is a player that you can like theoretically overpay and get away with it. So okay, right, the question is not, you, not after that injury is what I'm saying. I think that John Wall coming back at if he's eighty percent of what he was, I think he'll be worth like. 80% of that contract. I think like hundred percent John wall was even like a move that people were like, ah, like should the wizards be paying him for that long, that much, but you have to. Right. But yeah, yeah. you're right. But yeah. So much of his uh, value comes from his explosiveness and it's going to be, and you don't know if that's I, I really hope he comes back and he is 80% of himself. I worry that it's not going to be enough because that so much of his game is from that. It's not like he's a knockdown three point shooter or anything. Um, and he's such a he was such a great player. I really hope he does come back and and is healthy. Takes the Rudy Gay route. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, Rudy Gay like had to develop everything else. So I hope he's he's working on that too. Like knowing, okay, my shot. Needs he's to been be out for a year and a half. I hope so. By the time he plays, it'll be two <laughs> years. Seriously, yeah, it'll be it'll be December of 2020. It'll, he last time he played was December 2018. So yeah, hopefully he's he's doing okay. Yeah, I I wouldn't blame you, Josh, for holding on to them because um, I think they could, you know, Blazers East, right? So Blazers East, keeping keeping the backcourt together, but. I think Embiid is about – he's the best player in the in that trade. I agree. I would agree. And I think Embiid he's less is of scary. a at this point. Even though, like, both trade both sides of the trade would have an injury risk, I think that he's yeah, oh, yeah. The less risky than Wall. Bro, and Beal next to Simmons, let's just, like, you know, quick Tebow. That would be amazing. Um, Wall, Beal, Simmons? I got one that's not an Embiid trade. Sorry, I got a couple more, guys. Uh, Hayward for Horford. Celtics get their center back. They would never. They would never. No, why? Hay- Hayward hasn't stayed healthy. He's played like 50 games in the three years they've had him. The Celtics are committed to this, like, prototypical. To being down one Wayne player. offense. Yeah. Or Wayne, 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 <laughs> like, Wayne centric offense and defense. <laughs> Thanks, Juan. That was good. <laughs> like,. I don't know. Like they're playing, they're gonna get run off the floor by Toronto. I think they're gonna get. I think it's gonna be five or four one Toronto. Okay, let's. I think it comes down to this, right? You have Danny Ainge, who's a really good um, GM, and great shooter. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think it comes down to whether the Celtics will look at the last year of the of Embiid with the Sixers and think we can, if he comes back to us, he'll be what he was because. Because mm-hmm. we made him that, like as in, yeah. like he was so good in our system, or if they recognize, like he's probably never going to be what he was again. And I think Danny Ainge is too cutthroat to like. <laughs> yeah, go back like on not. No. <laughs> Danny Ainge, Danny Ainge already refused to pay him that money, and that's why he left in the first place. And yeah. and not, he's not going to go trade for that money now. Like, right. yeah, he's way too cutthroat. All right, uh, that yeah, was but, a lost cause. I was hopeful. I mean, I I think that just based on what both of them have brought to the Celtics, like in a vacuum, mm-hmm. yes, they would do it. But with the money and the yeah, age, taking into account this would. terrible year you have with the Sixers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I got one. I feel like Josh is going to like <clears throat> okay. Joe Harris, Lavert, and Jared Allen for Embiid. We'd have to get a pick back. I would be worried about, Karis LeVert's fit with Ben Simmons because Karis LeVert is another one of those like ball dominant guards. He kind of reminds me of Butler though in that way. On offense. I also think though that he wouldn't have like the reason he he, like carried that team was because Kyrie like he wouldn't be doing that if Kyrie and KD were there right so I think it's the same thing I think he would have his moments. The Nets are definitely going to be looking to do some major shakeups because they have they have too many guys. They 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 have too many assets that they need to get rid of. Like yeah, they, you could you could throw Dimwitty in there too. I just don't we don't really need him. But I think theoretically they need asset. to. They almost need to get rid of of Dimwitty and Karis Levert, mm-hmm. knowing that Katie and Kyrie are coming. Um, so I honestly think that's actually like quite in play, at least for them to be moved. Period. Whether it is to Philly and like Philly's mm-hmm. another big trade market um, off season. Um, partner right now so I could see a deal definitely happen between them but I, I would be concerned about some of the fit I think the, the, the Nets would do it too like if the Sixers were game Six, the, the Nets, Nets would do it for sure 
Yeah, they they. Give I mean, hell, if sure. the Nets can get the three, three, yeah, yeah they get yeah, the and Bead and KD and Kyrie, that's a that's a dream yeah. for them. The salaries they, don't match up, but yeah, you know, I, all... they'd have to. I mean, Joe Harris is a free agent, but if they, you know, signed and traded, even even with that, I think they're still probably like ten million short. But they can make it work. Dinwiddie, I guess, would be he's probably yeah. ten million. But then, actually, that's your best. That's the best one. The Nets trade is the best one you came up with. I like that. You like right. that one? I think the Kings yeah. one is the best. But actually, I got, I got. There's another one coming up that I think is the best. But oh shit! How many do we have more? <laughs> two more. Two more. All right. Speed round. All right. Actually, you know what? I'll skip this one. It was a magic one. I wasn't big on it. This is probably my favorite one, or it's up there with the Kings one, um, with the Heat. You know, Embiid and Butler getting back together. Uh, Adebayo and uh, Tyler Hero. That's good. I don't think the Heat do it. Heat don't leave do the it. Heat do it. Yeah. No. Wow. They're that high on Hero, you think? I know they're high on Adebayo. But... They're high on Adebayo. I think that's what it is. Um. Well, the Heat – well, okay. So you have to look at it in a couple ways, right? Because the Heat have a lot of young players right now, and Heat fans are excited. But, like, that's not their goal, right? Their goal is to have a bunch of good young players that people want and mm-hmm. trade for a superstar. I just don't know if Embiid is that one because they want Giannis, right? I don't know. I don't think they'll get Giannis, <clears throat> especially if like they go to the finals this year. I think he yeah. signs with Milwaukee. But the question is, where is that line of the superstar they're willing to part like their players with, right? Because they they don't want Kendrick Nunn. I think they're very willing to get rid of Tyler Hero for the right player. Yeah. I think they do want Adebayo though. So yeah, but you're gonna have to give him up in a trade for a, a superstar. Right. I, I mean, you'll give them up for Giannis, right? They fill the same void, more or less. But I don't know if they do it for Embiid, maybe. Um, that being said, I think just because they got lucky with this Butler trade, like trade, yeah, they feel like they can fleece someone else. And I, don't, I, I just don't think that that's how that's going to work again. It's fair. That was my last trade. If they, tra- if they were to go down that route. Maybe. That there aren't that many – I was looking at all the rosters. There really aren't that many moves that are worth it. You don't, you don't want Aldridge and DeRozan? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I think they're both good players, but no, I didn't, no, I didn't not want them. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that I think the Sixers are probably going to keep them both. They're going to hire Ty Lue, and I'm going to be really pissed that they hired him. And uh, they're going to run it back mostly. And it's going to be a really disappointing year. So that's the uh, pessimist in me. Looking forward to it. Do you think – I think they should keep both, but completely rehaul the rest of the roster. Yes. Do you think they will? Like, will they be able to even, – even if you know you're not getting – you're not winning the trade, can they get rid of Harris for something back, like something that's worth it? I see. I try to move Horford first. I think Horford's more movable because the contract number's lower, even though he doesn't produce at the same level that Harris does. Um, if you could shit, if you could trade, I keep saying Horford for love is one that I kind of like. Same numbers. I don't know why the Cavs do it, so we probably have to throw in a pick. Well, but I yeah. think love fits a lot better. What about Harris for love? I think they would do that, and I think you still still need to get rid of Horford because he can't. He just right, but Harris I, can I play with all, any of said. these. Uh, well, if Horford backs up and beat, I don't think Horford's a bad roster like member anymore yeah I just well he's still way overpaid but yeah 
Yeah, yeah sure, but he'll he'll contribute. Is my point. I yeah. my problem with Harris, and you know, I'm not watching Sixers games all the time, but my problem is, I feel like he's just wasting space on the on the court. Yeah, like yeah. when he's the guy, he can't do anything. When he's not the guy, he's even more useless. Yeah. What you know, one of the things that I don't know if this was coaching or if it was him or a combination of the two, but he's best when he's on the. So, and I thought when Simmons was out, this is what they were gonna do. He's best when he's on the ball, and he's running pick and roll. And they should have been running that, even if it was not in B and if it was him and Horford, they should have been running pick and roll with Harris as the ball handler constantly. And they didn't do that really at all. And that's where Harris is probably at his best. Um, so that was kind of disappointing to see on, on both his part and I guess Brett Browns. Darcy, you've been talking about that for a long time like since this trade first <laughs> since they first got Tobias you were making that's like points and yeah that's, that was like that's, day one yeah like anytime I feel like anytime Simmons is out when Simmons is healthy and Harris is in they should be running pick and roll with those him and you know before it was fucking Boban but it can be Embiid Embiid and Horford are much better rollers than Boban so I don't know yeah all right, I guess we'll make this a two-parter and uh, we'll finish up the rest of the first-round series as soon as we can. Put that out. Looking forward to it, boys. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Thanks for, having, thanks for having me back. I'm not back, but thanks for having me back. Um, we'll chat soon. Even yes. though you're not back, we'll have you back again. Yeah, back-to-back back bubble, bubble pods. Back-to-back. Right. Back. Thanks, everyone. Back back. Peace. Peace out. Scoop. Scoop.